This is Shelter in Place, a podcast about embracing the journey in a world forever changed. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. When I was a kid, I went through a years-long obsession with choose-your-own-adventure books. I would read them over and over again until I'd found my way to every ending. I loved the sense of endless possibility, the way I could always start over and try again if I didn't like where I ended up. What I didn't realize then was that those books were actually a pretty good training ground for the adventure I'd end up choosing in life, which has led me to you today in this episode right here and now. Those books taught me to approach stories with a wide open imagination, to consider many possible plot points, to look out for trick endings and looped stories, and to remember that no matter how hopeless things might sometimes seem, there is always another way to end. It's been decades since I read those books. My kids are still a little too young to appreciate them, and until recently, I forgot about them. MFA workshops and sending my writing to agents and editors and submitting it for grants and publications taught me to be careful with my creativity, to strive for perfection before I even let it out the door. I learned to expect rejection as the likely possible outcome, tried to toughen myself against life's harsh realities. When the occasional good news would break through, I'd celebrate, but the very next day I'd have my guard up once again. I spent most of my adult life in this particular pattern. I never quite developed thick skin, but when it came to creativity, I learned to hold on to hope loosely. Then on March 17, 2020, I started Shelter in Place and stepped into an adventure I hadn't even known I was looking for. From the start, podcasting was different. Maybe because in the beginning at least, I wasn't all that concerned with the outcome. I approached each episode a lot like I did those choose-your-own-adventure books. I knew I'd hit some dead ends and make mistakes that I'd have to figure out how to fix. But especially in that first season, when I was creating episodes daily, I didn't have time to overthink it. I had to get the work out as fast as I was creating it. Every episode was like jumping off a cliff, learning to trust that I'd land. Some days I got a little beat up from the fall, but that was okay because the next day there was another cliff, another creative experiment, another adventure to choose. After a while, I learned how to fall. I became a little kinder to myself, a little less precious about my work, a little more forgiving when I screwed up. After a lifetime of creative paralysis, it felt like a revelation to realize that the process itself could be so much fun that even when it's hard, it's still an adventure. And it was still thrilling nearly a year later when my husband Nate and I began our Kasama Collective Training Intensive as a way to share that epiphany with others. We wanted to invite our trainees into the creative process and teach them how to create a podcast episode from start to finish, but without having to wade through the tome of the creative life that we'd both already been in for thousands of pages. We knew that we couldn't prevent the dead ends and false endings entirely, but we could offer a distilled version of what it had taken us decades to learn. We wanted to fast track them to the good stuff that I learned from my MFA program, a Fulbright scholarship, a hundred daily episodes, a dozen years of coaching, and many, many hopes dashed on the rocks of rejection. 
Nate wanted to pass along the best parts of what he'd learned from 20 years in advertising. Everything from the Mercury Radio Award that he won before he'd even finished portfolio school to the inevitable layoffs when the economy was bad. And even add in the resume and job interview coaching that Nate was trained to do with the skills I'd developed as a collegiate coach in helping people to realize their potential. We rolled all of that up into a choose-your-own audio adventure that we called the Kasama Collective. It's been a wild ride, and one of the very best parts of this adventure has been getting to know our Kasama Collective graduates. Just this week, our alums met for our monthly video chat, and it was like gathering with old friends, because in creative time, we are old friends. We've lived a lot of the creative life together. But it also occurred to me recently that most of the adventures we've been having have happened behind closed doors. Even our most dedicated listeners only have a hint of an idea of what goes into each of these episodes. So today, I want to invite you to step into an adventure that we've created just for you. You don't have to be a podcaster to enjoy it, or even a storyteller. The only requirement is that you're human. If you're listening and you are not human, I'm sorry, this episode is not for you. For the rest of you, let's get this adventure started. Every good story starts with a character. And in this story, that character is you. You have this whole year before you. Maybe you've already cooked up plans to take over the world. Or maybe you were feeling worn out before this year even started. Either way, it's okay. There's no packing list for this adventure, no advance prep needed. The one thing you must have for this adventure is something that you already have, curiosity. So let's get curious together about what's going to happen next. There are three doors before you with three different answers to this question, why create? This is the first question that we ask in each and every episode of Shelter in Place. The first question we ask our Kasama Collective trainees. Find your why and the who, what, when, where, and how will come. Or put another way, why work? Why make stuff? Why wake up this morning or any other? What keeps you going when life gets hard? If this is all getting a bit too existential for you, then let me kindly suggest that how deep you go into this journey is entirely up to you. No one will force you to bear your soul. It is possible to float along the surface of life, to live walled up and protected from creativity so that you don't have to feel a thing. But if you're willing to take a chance to trust this process, you will likely get some scrapes and bruises along the way. But you'll also find yourself on an adventure. You might find community with both strangers and friends. You might see a dormant part of yourself come alive you may even discover a whole version of yourself just waiting to be unlocked. To continue your adventure, you must choose one of the following options for why you will create this story. You look at the three doors. Each of the doors has a sign. On door A, you're creating to answer a very specific question that's been bothering you for a long time. On door B, you're creating because you want to bring healing to a topic or a situation that has been a source of pain, either personally or globally. And then there's this on door C. You create to have a rollicking good time. You choose C. How can you pass that up? 
At least for today, you're creating because it's fun, because you like how you feel when you make stuff and you feel curious enough in this particular moment to see where this will take you. You step through the door and immediately find yourself in a dance party with every fun person you've ever known. There's your kindergarten teacher who always made the class laugh and your weird uncle who had the best jokes and your college roommate who always had the best Halloween costumes and even your dog. Not technically a person, but man, that dog was fun. There are people you've forgotten you knew, people you've never met but admire. It's like all of the fun in the world came together in this one place, just waiting for you to enjoy it. You dance for a few songs and it is great but you can feel a slow resistance creeping in. You start to wonder if people are looking at you, to feel a little insecure about your moves. You thought you just came here to have a good time. But the thing about adventures is that they're only adventures when we keep moving through them. In a book or a movie or a podcast episode or a life, there has to be something that pulls us through the story, that makes us curious about what happens next. In storytelling terms, that reason can be summed up in a single word, (gasps) conflict. Conflict creates the tension that moves us, that makes us want to keep going. It gives our brains a problem to solve. As screenwriting guru Robert McKee says, no conflict, no story. This is something that we think about in each and every episode of Shelter in Place. As soon as we've asked the question of why we're creating a particular episode, we're immediately asking that next question of why people should keep listening. What's the conflict? What's the problem to solve? Why does this episode need to exist? Why is this the adventure to choose when there are so many others out there? But let's get back to your dance party. At this point, you're feeling a little grumpy. After all, you came here to have fun. It's a little annoying that you can't just stay in that warm, happy glow of the dance party. Deep down, you also know that the real story isn't in this room. You're already feeling the pull of your next adventure, and truth be told, it doesn't feel great. Conflict usually doesn't feel good, but it does make life interesting. You make your way to the edge of the room to a hallway so long that you can't see the end of it. Along the walls of this hallway are doors so short that you have to bend down to open them. Each squat door has a name inscribed on it, one for each person in the room behind you. There's your kindergarten teacher, your uncle, even your dog. Upon closer inspection, you notice the fine print beneath each of these names, and a unifying theme emerges. Every name on these doors has one thing in common. Their lives have not been easy, but somehow they've lived them joyfully anyway. In fact, it's been that contrast between laughter and pain that has often made these people and one very funny animal so special. You had no idea that the kindergarten teacher who made you laugh was secretly a stand-up comedian who somehow managed to make even the divorce she was going through hilarious. The uncle you loved so much who could make you laugh harder than anyone you've ever known eventually died of cancer. Even that awesome dog, who looked like he was always smiling, had only three legs when you got him from the pound. Well, that escalated quickly. Wasn't this supposed to be an episode about fun? Once again, you have options. 
Option A, you could go back to the party and dance away all the tension you're feeling. That might actually be a really good idea. I recently started doing Zumba with Making Wave Studios, and it's one of the best decisions I've made all year. And yes, I will include a link to their online classes in our show notes for today. But there's also option B. You could get down on your hands and knees and crawl into one of those hobbit hole doors. In this audio adventure, this means stepping into the story of whoever the door is for, sitting down with that person or animal and asking them about their life so you can really understand how they're able to laugh even when things get hard. Here at Shelter in Place, we often build our episodes around conversations we have with people who inspire us or who help us explore our curiosity about some conflict or problem we want to solve. It can be a wonderful way to create, a chance to celebrate the people and ideas that represent humanity at its best. But there's also a third option, one you didn't notice right away. You drift down the hallway of doors until you see a name that you know well yours. When you creak it open and look inside, all you see is darkness. Each time I write a script for a shelter-in-place episode or guide one of our trainees through that process, there comes a point where we have to decide if things are going to get personal. When I was creating daily episodes in season one, I was only a few days in before I was confronted with the question of how much I was going to share. I'd resisted memoir all my life because I didn't think my story was interesting enough to tell. Looking back now, I think my real reasons for resistance had more to do with not wanting to be vulnerable. It was scary to put myself out there, to admit that I had opinions and insecurities and that I often made mistakes. I knew I could present a polished, curated version of myself, but at that point in the pandemic, at that point in my life, I was too tired to pretend I had it all together. With each day that passed, it seemed like another piece of the foundation I'd built my life on was crumbling away. What was left was me, a flawed, fragile human being who was working hard to find hope even on the days when it was hard to come by. As scared as I was to put my real self out there, it also felt like a relief to stop pretending. And so I took a big breath, opened that door, and stepped inside. In our work with our Kasama Collective trainees, this is a crucial plot point that determines the rest of the journey. We've had a couple of people who've gotten to this point and slammed the door shut. But those who step inside and leap into the abyss discover that the world is bigger and kinder than they thought it was. A few of them discover that even what they thought were weaknesses are actually their superpowers. Because the greatest gift that we can offer to the world is, in fact, ourselves. In your story, before you can second-guess yourself, you scoot yourself through your hobbit hole door and leap out into the darkness. I'll be right back after this short break from one of our sponsors. Since BetterHelp, the world's leading online counseling service, is our newest sponsor, I decided to give them a try for myself and let you know how it goes. Instead of having to rehash my past over and over again, BetterHelp has you just click through an intake questionnaire that took me about eight minutes to fill out. It lets you filter for gender, age, faith background, and more. Best of all, the rate was way more affordable than I've ever paid for counseling. 
This past week, I had my first session with the therapist that I'd been matched with. And I was a little nervous, but it was actually really great. It was good to talk to someone who really listened, and it left me feeling a little more hopeful about what's ahead. If you want to join me in kicking off the new year with therapy that's affordable and easy to set up, go to betterhelp.com listener to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com listener. You feel yourself falling, wind rushing past you, the party far behind you as you drop down, down, down. And then at last you hit something soft, like falling into a great giant pillow. And the darkness falls away. And in its place, mountains and trees and a wide blue sky surge up all around you. It's been years since you were here, but you know where you are. Montana, on a trail that leads up to the summit of Mount Baldy, with your family and your middle school best friend beside you. You've packed sandwiches and snacks and plenty of water, and your dad has a topo map that shows the mountain summit at 8,000 feet. But it's a hike none of you has done before, and the collective fitness level of the group is moderate at best. You will hike 20 miles round trip by the time this day is over. Once we identify the central conflict of the story we're telling, one of the exercises that we use often at Shelter in Place is to think about our episodes in scenes. We try to find our way to the scene that embodies that conflict. Sometimes we hike our way in, noticing the stream and the mountains and the big sky. Other times, we drop our listeners right into the middle of the action. The places our brain takes us when we're open and curious can give us great insights into the conflicts that give us the most trouble. If we're willing to sit with them, we might even learn something new. At the point when you step into this scene, you've lost the trail hours ago, and have already spent over an hour bushwhacking through the weeds to get back. Your legs are covered in scratches, and your hiking boots are wet from when your foot slipped off the log you were crossing and into the stream below. As you walk along the dusty Montana trail, you remember that you came here in pursuit of fun. You feel tricked into being here because the worst part of this memory isn't the scratches or the scrapes or the wet feet. It isn't the 20 mile hike or trekking home in the dark. It's the moment when your friend turns to you and says, you are so serious. You don't even know how to have fun. Even though this was decades ago, and you can't even remember the last time you spoke to that best friend, who clearly was not destined to remain your best friend forever, you still remember how much it hurt to hear her say that. How it colored the way that you saw yourself many years later. How it made you doubt yourself, even in that dance party. You look over your shoulder and see the darkness that you emerged from. Then you look ahead of the trail that's climbing steeply uphill. Once again, you have a choice. Option A, you could scrap this whole thing and give up on the adventure. You didn't sign up for this. Option B, you can keep hiking and see where the trail takes you. Option C, you can return to the dance party. Wasn't this supposed to be fun? For reasons you can't fully articulate, you choose option B, keep hiking. Maybe it's because you can't help but appreciate the beauty around you or because a part of you is genuinely curious about what comes next. 
As you walk, you begin to understand why your subconscious has led you here. There's another part of this memory that you'd forgotten. After the scrapes and wet boots and bushwhacking and whining, you and your siblings and even your grumpy friend start to get punchy. You start speaking in British accents. You pretend that you're hobbits journeying through Mordor and Lord of the Rings. The whole thing gets very silly. And by the time you're climbing up the final switchbacks of shale, your legs are tired and your ego is bruised and you're still mad at your friend and you are very, very thirsty. But you're also having a really good time. And then you reach Big Baldy's summit and it's like walking on the sky to see all that blue. No one is complaining anymore. Your friend has tears in her eyes and perhaps most miraculous of all, you forgive her. In every episode of Shelter in Place, we get to this point eventually, this connection to the deeper humanity that ties us all together. It isn't neat and tidy because life rarely is, but it's the resolution that we need to our conflict, the moment that reminds us that however hard things have gotten or how divided our world seems, there is always another way to end this story. Sometimes we draw from research to see what the experts say about this tender part of life we're digging into. Sometimes we bring in the voices of those experts themselves, but always there's a movement to bring people together, to find a way to hold the paradox that is living. We long to be united, and yet we find it impossible not to disagree. We hurt each other, and we love each other, sometimes in the very same moment. You could stay up here on the summit. You're enjoying yourself now. You could take the same trail back down, but instead you explore the summit's wide flat top until you see a trail snaking along a cliff with a series of caves. Each cave has a stone stairway leading deep underground. You can't see what's below. Your curiosity leads you down the first staircase into a cavernous hall below where you hear your friend's voice. Not the teenage version, but the adult she's grown up to be. You reach a small candlelit room, but where you expect to see your friend, there's just a rough blue stone that glows with each word she speaks. The sound echoes off the walls and hisses with static, but when you reach for the stone and polish it with your shirt, the sound gets clearer. Pick up the glowing blue orb and pull out a handkerchief out of your pocket and begin polishing. What was echoey, choppy audio becomes gradually clearer. You've broken a sweat by the time you get that stone polished to a shine, but at last, you can hear this adult version of your friend clearly. She says that she remembers that day well, that it was a terrible hike. She had horrible blisters and was out of shape and she got sunburnt and a week before the trip, her grandpa had just died. She says, I remember that we had an argument and I told you that you were no fun. I think I said it because it was how I was feeling about myself at the time, but it was ultimately you who got me out of that. For years afterward, I would do British accents whenever I was feeling sad. It got me really curious about why being silly made me feel so much better. I was still thinking about it years later when I was studying the neuroscience of playfulness and laughter in one of my college classes. 
I ended up getting a job at a nonprofit dedicated to the science of laughter. I'm still working there today. As your friends stop speaking, the light from the blue stone fades, and you notice for the first time that there are other stairways in the corners of the room. From each of them, you hear the echoes of sound. It takes you a moment to realize that the voices you're hearing are all yours, but they're not all the same. In one stairwell, your voice is as echoey as your friends. In another, it sounds like there are sounds of traffic. At last, you reach a stairwell where your voice is clear and quiet. You creep down the stairwell into a tiny carpeted room. There's a single microphone in the middle of what looks like a child's blanket fort. We have to get rid of all the echo before we can hear things clearly. We have to be still long enough to know what to say, you hear yourself say. At this point, you think that your adventure is over. You've made it to the summit. Your friend has said she's sorry. You've even started digging into the neuroscience of this moment, understanding how having fun and giving ourselves permission to be silly can make us happier and healthier. You've even cleaned up your friend's audio and recorded voiceover that is as clean and clear as freshly polished glass. But just when you're about to look for an exit, you see at the edge of the tiny room what looks like a wine cellar with racks of dark green bottles stacked from ceiling to floor. Each of them is loosely corked and the dark glass glitters with light that seems to come from within. You uncork the first bottle and a rush of sound pours out. It's the soundtrack to the scene you're in or one of the possible options you can choose. You put the cork back in the first bottle and try the next one. Same scene, different story. You try a third, which makes you laugh. A fourth, which you dislike because it makes your story seem cheesy. And then there's the fifth one, which you realize has been there all along in the background, just waiting for you to notice it. Obviously, I've taken some liberties in dramatizing the process that we go through in each episode in an effort to bring you inside the brainstorming, script writing, interviewing, audio editing, voiceover, and sound design that goes into each episode of Shelter in Place. I hope you've enjoyed the journey, that maybe you've even had some of that fun you were after. I've often found comfort in stories, both in writing and life. Because when I choose to look at my life as a series of adventures, the same conflicts that feel overwhelming and depressing suddenly become interesting plot points, just another creative problem to solve. It helps me to remember to talk less and listen more, to observe what even the quiet moments of life can teach me. It reminds me that no matter how difficult or discouraging life gets, I'm never truly without a choice. Getting to invite our Kasama Collective trainees on this adventure has been one of the best experiences of my life. It's reminded me of how much we have to offer each other, no matter where we've been before. But I've also wanted a way to invite others into this adventure, to make it available to more people who may not have the time to dedicate to a semester-long live intensive, but who still want to learn how to put a podcast together from start to finish, and to ask all of the creative questions that can tell us so much about ourselves. So for a while now, Nate and I have been cooking up creative experiments, 
And today, I want to invite you into a brand new adventure that we've called the Kasama Labs, where we help you master the art and science of narrative podcasting, one creative experiment at a time. The course is self-paced, designed flexible for busy people, less like a traditional classroom and more like a choose-your-own-adventure. Over the course of 16 weeks, we give you a complete tool set to launch your own podcast that includes all of the adventures you've heard in this episode, including script writing, audio editing, interviewing, voiceover, and sound design, and also the creative habits to help you find your answer to why you create. We've deconstructed the podcast production process for you and are giving it back to you in manageable chunks so that you can emerge not just with a finished pilot episode for a podcast, but a vision for where you're headed next. We've intentionally designed this course to be something that you can come back to again and again with new projects, a lab where all creative experiments are welcome, but with enough structure to get you unstuck when you can't figure out which adventure to choose next. The course begins the first week of February, and spots are limited, so head to our website, shelterinplacepodcast.org, to get our early bird price, which we're extending through January 21st. You can preview all 16 modules on our website and see testimonials from our Kasama Collective graduates who've been through many of these modules themselves. Your next adventure is right there waiting for you to choose it. The Shelter in Place music was created by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions. Additional music and sound effects for this episode come from Storyblocks. Nate Davis is our creative director, Sarah Edgel is our design director, and Melissa Lent is our project manager. Until next time, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis. And now, if you're still listening, here's a little outtake. It's Monday morning, and you've got a million and four... It's Monday morning. You've got a million things to do. It's Monday morning and you're at work. And then you open up your email. It says simply, why create? Intrigued, you open it and it says, welcome to the Kasama Labs, where life gets colorful with creativity. Ready for your first experiment? At this point, you have a few options. You decide to listen to that week's audio lecture while you take a walk outside. You're excited, but you have to get back to work. Since every module includes a way to fast track you on your project with short exercises that offer a big return for a small investment of time, you're able to see tangible results on your project. You develop new rhythms. You find that you have more ideas. You're actually looking forward to the future. This isn't just an experiment in art. It's an experiment in living better. The only question is which adventure will you choose next?